0: Hi, my name's Hutton and I'm a Geoholic. Hello Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elves' Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovski, I'm a Geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. For today's geospatial news, we're taking a trip underneath the seas near Shark Bay, Australia, an amazing ocean site roughly 500 miles north of the city of Perth. Recently, the BBC reported on the University of Western Australia's announcement that they believed their researchers had found the world's largest single plant. This plant, or seagrass, comes from a large underwater meadow and covers roughly 77 square miles of ocean floor. This is roughly three times the size of Manhattan and speculated to be over 4,500 years old. To discover this colossal find, the team collected and examined unique geospatial shots from the seagrass, examining 18,000 genetic markers to create a fingerprint from each individual sample. Originally hoping to figure out how many plants lived in the meadow, they quickly realized that there was only one. Because of the size and age of this plant, the researchers explain that the plant is extremely resilient to its adverse and ever-changing environmental conditions. As a map lover, I have to wonder what the famous 19th century underwater oceanographer Marie Tharp would think about this unique discovery. I'd have to bet, while her work involved mapping the floor of the Atlantic Ocean, she would still absolutely love it. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends.
1: I love this song by the way. Uh, huge Dire Straits fan. Dire Straits. I was so excited when I saw you were a Dire Straits fan. Anybody know the lyrics?
2: No? I thought I'm going to sing it. There, there's no way for that. Yeah. Here
1: I am again, mean old town. Please keep your data up. <laughs> so far away from me. All right, man. We got a really so good painful. one lined up tonight. Super excited. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Not not your typical <laughs> Geoholics podcast, but nonetheless, we are going to have one hell of a good time. This is basically completely unscripted, so there's probably some sort of a disclaimer or something that we should read right about now, but uh, I don't have one on hand, so screw it.
3: Yes, Fair parental enough. guidance is out the window.
1: All right. We got a, we got a room full, so real quick introduction of our cast of characters this evening. Of course, the the one and only Mark Taylor. How are you doing, buddy?
3: I am awesome. Thank you for asking. Actually, I'm fat and fabulous. Oh, well, that's even better. And the, the foot seems to be healing. Slowly. Yeah. Because I've been sitting on my ass for three weeks with it in the air. Huh? Uh, and miraculously, when you follow the doctor's instructions, things tend to heal. You know what? The older
1: we get and we start listening to doctors versus, like, doing the opposite, it's amazing. They actually know what they're talking about.
3: Hmm yes the bills would su- suggest they do <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> all right we also have
1: sean faber hello how are you doing man outstanding just back from vacation oh man I, it, it was great awesome awesome Very relaxing Good how drinks. was the weather uh
4: no may gray no june gloom not yet yes it was sunny beautiful just about every day
1: awesome awesome nice.
4: how many pina coladas uh, too many to count.
1: Okay. Those fruity, fruity drinks are the those, things that just absolutely crush me. Those rum, but it's Ugh, the it's, it's the, the rum stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. the. I'm not a rum drinker, not at all. You know, I'm not
4: usually either. But when there's a person that brings it to you every <laughs> <Yeah>. 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah. and just uh, there's something about it. Waves crashing, Very fruity true. rum drinks.
1: Yeah, that's where it is. Get
4: caught up in the moment. Oh yes, I what was. Time? I was caught up in it.
3: What time, Judy Stones?
4: Uh,
1: usually around 10 a.m.
3: Nice. Good. Yep. <laughs> yep. That his wife New knows. Tourist. Yep.
1: We also have uh, another familiar voice, Nick Schlosser. Nick, what's up, man? How you guys doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Long time no talk. Are you excited about this this evening? Yes, yes.
5: Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm a little jealous of Sean's weekend getaway. Uh, mine wasn't as tropical.
1: No. Um, but uh, I had a good, good weekend, so. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good, good, good. And uh, Connor, COG. What's going on? That that uh that voice just turns me on every time. Yeah, so I'm sporting right now.
6: That's <laughs> <laughs> what the women say. No, I'm kidding. Oh, that nasally voice. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Uh, anything to do with you?
6: Oh, just living the dream.
3: dream. (laughs) All right. I love it. it. I love it. Good answer. (laughs) For those of you out in audience land, he is rather intimidated with all the burly chaps in this tiny little uh, studio (laughs) here.
7: (laughs) Speaking of sporting,
6: yes. That's exactly what it is. You know, there's a lot of personalities, and, uh, you know, I'm become a beta. <laughs> uh, go, go. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. All right, let's roll with this. Uh Connor toss about the opening number. Oh boy, I have a lot of eyes on I me mean, reading right now, so reading is oh, hard. A lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, Dire Straits plug. Uh so far away. Dire Straits were British. Look at you of having course. some British influence here. Yeah. British rock band uh formed in London in 1977 by Mark knoffler Knopfler. Jeez, I told you I'd butcher that one. <laughs> Mark Knopfler, David Knopfler, uh John Ilsley and pick withers that one was the easiest one uh they were active from 1977 to 1988 <laughs> and again from 1990 to 1995 dire straits sound draws from various influences including country folk the blues rock of jj kale and jazz dire straits won four grammy awards three brit awards congratulations on being a brit by Thank the way you. mark taylor yes. um best british group twice what does that mean
7: um it were means they, were the, they were the, the best
1: British group twice, is what that means. Yes.
6: No Harry Styles though. <laughs> no. no. One Direction. No. Come on now. <laughs> no. Seriously. Uh, two MTV Music uh, Awards and various other awards. They were well, inducted. Do you
3: know what MTV is?
6: Heck yeah, I do. Oh, just checking. W- what is it? What does it stand for? The Music TV or something like that, or yeah, media Music t- TV. Yeah, music yeah. TV. I know what yeah. MTV. MTV Two. Jersey Shore. Come on now. Oh, uh, God. That's, that's <laughs> no, uh, oh. no, uh, no, the no, the, oh, the that thing that I used to watch is uh. Not Rough okay. and Rowdy, but the, uh, the Stupid Show with Nick Cannon.
1: Name, name well, any out. one of them. Wild any and ones? Out.
6: Wild and Out, thank oh. you. Wild oh! Wild Out, there we go. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. Dire Straits have sold over 120 million units worldwide, including 51.4 million certified units, making them one of the best-selling music artists. Very good, Connor. Well mm.
1: done. And, of course, we're here in the Diamondback Lancervings studio. Trent Keenan he was actually going to fly in for this today. I know you exchanged some emails with him. He's interested in like buying a barrel and all this stuff. But uh, he's like, God, I he sent me pictures. He got pictures of the Garrison brothers, like a bunch of different bottles and stuff That's like that. Spin. But uh, we'll connect with him another time for sure. Uh, shout out to this week's featured friend of the Pro cr- 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 program. The crew is what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah, program? you're
3: trying to say the crew. How much, <laughs> How uh, much
1: bourbon have you have? About half of a shot. That's right, uh, it. Yeah. That we got a long enough. way to go. No, wow, well, a long <laughs> <No,
6: laughs> selling bourbon.
1: This week's yeah.
3: featured friend of the program (FOTP) is Bad Elf. Uh, should I do my radio voice or stick with the British accent? Uh, radio voice. So, this week's um, featured friend of the program is Bad Elf LLC. Let me tell you what Bad Elf does. First of all, I can speak firsthand. They're an amazing company, just changing the industry and the world in terms of GIS mapping. They have incredible GNSS receivers for mapping and field data collection. All their products are incredibly lightweight, portable, and provide a battery life of up to 24 hours. So you get a full day's worth of collection. Um, Bad Elf works with everything across the board, including Esri Collector, Survey123, I know you guys tuned in to learn about bourbon. I think they're fueled by some bourbon in some form. I believe
1: the name was fueled by bourbon, yes. I think so, because I really... Copious amounts of
3: bourbon. Copious amounts of bourbon, which we know that Nick, one of our friends of the program, he uh, loves to imbibe. Um, But basically, Bad Elf develop low-cost, high-accuracy GPS receivers for all day-to-day collection. And um, if you reach out to them and mention that you heard about the Flex receiver on the Geoholics you will actually get $100 off your purchase and a highly coveted fitted Bad Elf hat. Indeed. Yes, they're rather, rather spiffy. So think of Bad Elf as opposed to Naughty Gnome. But Bad, <laughs> bad Elf equals engineering magic. <laughs> oh,
1: well done, Mr. Taylor. Never, uh, never a dull moment.
3: I know, I try.
1: Time for uh, Liquid Death's Weekly Words of Wisdom. Connor, do you have anything or do you want me to take this? You can take it. I got this. All right. So this is, this is very fitting for, uh, for this evening's episode. Okay, here we go. Here's the quote. I'm a simple man. All I want is enough sleep for two normal men, enough whiskey for three, and enough women for four. <laughs> American author, Joel Rosenberg. How about that? That's pretty darn good. With that, let's get on to our guests this evening. We have... Mr. Charlie Garrison with us, uh, AKA the whiskey peddler, a little bit about Charlie. He was born, uh, on Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, grew up all over Texas. He's going to tell us a little bit more about that here in just a minute. He attended a college that I've never heard of, Hampton, Sydney, where he received a degree in Eastern religion and economic theory. Do you know the, do you know the, uh, mascot for, uh. Sydney.
6: Yeah, the mascot is going to be a go whim. Bulldogs. No,
1: <laughs> yeah. no, nope. nope. go Tigers. Oh. Go Tigers. His hobbies include spending as much time with his wife and kids as possible, and trying to do enough exercise to give his body a fighting chance versus the amount of bourbon and food that he dumps into it. <laughs> <laughs> but bourbon's a natural pickling agent. Uh, yeah. You should be fine. Yeah, you're <laughs> all good. You're your all food. good. Yeah, uh, all so a couple career highlights include convincing his wife to marry him and, of course, his two kids and finding a job with that useless college degree we mentioned just a second ago, uh, where he had a successful telecom career, as well as opened a restaurant where I think you said your entire family worked, correct? They did. It was called the Bad Donkey up in Cape Creek. All oh, the bad dog! No, no way! No way. No way. Are you, that sandwich shop. Yeah. Oh my That's god! It's hysterical
2: that you guys know it. It was a. I day. love that place. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was the guy sl- slinging the pizzas behind the counter. Oh,
1: Mike, I oh. knew I recognized you when I saw you the first time, I swear to God. That's fine. No,
2: I thought it was a police yeah. lineup. That, that I, is I, crazy. It, it could yeah. be a post office. Did, did you guys <laughs> open one
1: like, in the high school or something? Or yeah, like we some...
2: opened a couple of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah lost my shirt, man. I'm glad <laughs> to get out of that business.
1: Well, I like the uh, honesty. Of course, another career highlight is helping build Garrison Brothers into a nationally respected and trusted brand, which is what we're here to talk about, Charlie. Thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks for letting me come in. I laughed. All the lead up into this, I think I might be in the wrong room. Oh, I'm no. I'm concerned in- about where this is headed. <laughs>
1: you're in the perfect room. Trust me. Trust me. So, you come from a family of bourbon makers?
2: No, God, no. God, no. I Wait, come that's from- what it says
1: on the website. Oh, God, no.
2: My <laughs> brother wrote it and he lied. <laughs> uh, no, we, uh, our, our world is. Uh, <laughs> my brother got into the, the, the bourbon business by a giant series of stupid decisions and uh he was the first one in our family to to make bourbon and damn sure the first one to do it legally so wow yeah
1: sounds like a surveyor <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so wh- whose crazy idea was it to make legal texas bourbon that's not where bourbon originated
2: yeah no we so it, it's kind of a long story the answer to that is is dan is my, my brother's name's dan he's yeah. uh, a couple years older than i am incredibly unattractive and not much joy to be around, the but idiot, uh,
3: as, as, he, as he's known, yeah, he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. yeah. But call, he also is protection. my boss,
2: which makes, you know, mm. can you guys edit? Are you able to edit? Then no, no, just check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Dan, uh, I mean, in, everybody has an idiot for a boss. So I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> <that's>, yeah <laughs> everybody feels that right. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't an idiot until he started. Especially Nick. Over here. He's got an idiot. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, Dan, in about 2000, uh, It's a longer story, but I'll just say he lost his job. And uh, he was sitting on his couch drinking bourbon, and his wife walked through and yelled at him and said, you know, for all the bourbon you drink, you ought to make that stuff yourself. Light bulb. Yeah, that's all he heard. He heard, I'm going to make bourbon. And a couple of weeks later, he went up to Kentucky, and he managed to chase down a legendary distiller up there who got really excited about the central part of Texas and our water. So Dan is the guy that, that started this whole thing, and I know he's the guy that started it because when he started it, The business plan he sent me didn't mention the fact that making bourbon was illegal. So (laughs) made it pretty hard to sell the business plan. Banks weren't that fired up.
1: (laughs) So what was special about the water?
2: There's a a limestone in the hill country. So when you think of Kentucky, right, everybody likes to talk about Kentucky bourbon as the best bourbon in the world. And it is. Um, And the reason for that, in our opinion, or at least mine is that uh, there's Kentucky has hundreds of years of experience like working with bourbon and making bourbon takes time. You can't, everybody in the world right now is trying to make it faster and find ways to scientifically speed up making bourbon. Mm -hmm. And they're making a bunch of garbage bourbon. It just takes time and practice. And uh, so they've got hundreds of years of experience. And the other thing they have is a limestone water that is unique to that area. Um, It's very old, it's very hard, and it's very compact. And when the water runs through it, all the minerals get stripped out of the water and into the limestone, and it just makes the, the fermentation process go much better. So, when my brother was up there, he met a fellow named Elmer T. Lee. Um, Mr. Lee was a legendary distiller for Buffalo Trace, and uh, he actually took my brother under his wing, which I cannot imagine why. But um, sympathy case. Yeah, yeah, you know, unemployed guy drinks. You know, why not? For, um,
3: yeah, for the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's bigger
2: than me, too, so he's going to kick my butt for you saying that on it. I'll, on I'll come home with you.
3: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Mark's Easy. very large, by the way. Yes, in all areas. Thank you. Just make sure you <laughs> so, mention ex- that. <laughs> Except for... <laughs> yeah, hey, but, Connor.
0: <laughs> <yeah>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Things in the mirror may look larger. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so Mr. Lee got excited about the water in Texas. Our limestone's really soft. When the water runs through our rock, it strips minerals out of the wa- rock into our water. Mm. So it's the antithesis of Kentucky. And the end result is they believed that it might make a unique bourbon. Not that it would be better or worse, but it was going to be unique. And mm. that was the entire ambition of Garrison Brothers. We've never, never once have we wanted to be Kentucky bourbon. They kind of they're good at that so we want yeah. it to be something special
6: so you're saying that Arizona would not be a great place to to make bourbon in a sense i know
2: some guys that are doing it hmm. and i will not say it's not a good place to make bourbon cuz they are also larger than me
7: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh but it would be a hard place just the climate would
6: make it hard it and like the hard. water too cuz don't we have pretty hard water
2: in a lot of ways here water's hugely important but you can now you can actually sort of treat water to try to replicate things. You know, you hear all about people trying to make uh, New York pizza yeah. and mm-hmm. create waters. Yep. So you can kind of pull it off. But here, the problem with bourbon here would just be heat. Heat. Mm-hmm. and he- There's no humidity. So you'd get, you'd have no bourbon in a couple of years after you age it.
1: I see. So you want there to be a little bit of humidity or maybe a lot of humidity. I mean, that's one of the reasons it does work in Texas? Yeah. No, it... <laughs> We don't have enough humidity, Not enough, you know, no.
2: so there's something called angel share and angel share is what evaporates through a mm. barrel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in Kentucky, they may lose 5% a year to angel share, right? Um, basically distillate starts to expand into the wood at about 70 degrees. It comes out of the wood under 70. Um, think of Kentucky, January and February, it's freezing, August, it's 90, November, it's freezing. Mm. So they expand into the wood in the summer and out in the winter. And so during that process, as it pushes into the wood, part of it's going to evaporate through the barrel, and then you've got your angel share. In our ranch, it's 100 degrees during the day, 50 at night. So I go into that barrel every morning and out at night. So instead of aging seasonally, I age super quickly, and I lose about 12%, 13% a year to angel share. Oh, wow! So you won't see a lot of really That's old crazy. Garrison brothers.
1: That's crazy. Especially for like some of these that are in the barrels for three years. So you're losing like, what is that, yeah. 60% or more?
2: Most of our bourbon comes out pretty close to four years. And then we've got some of our double oak bourbons that are 10 years. So yeah, we don't have a lot of bourbon. Wow,
1: crazy. Crazy, what are other uh, like unique challenges of making bourbon in Texas?
2: You know, (laughs) the laws, that was a good Mm -hmm. one initially, considering it was illegal. um, But a lot of the money that goes towards spirits goes towards taxes. And we were very lucky that a dude named Tito started making vodka down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> our, our legislature kind of went, you know, that guy's generating some serious tax revenues. Yeah. And so after about three years of groveling to the legislature, they, they decided they'd change the rules. And that let us start making bourbon. Wow. But yeah, so the, the legislature is a huge part of it. We finally got the laws changed and we became the first legal, which is the key word, uh, Whiskey of any type ever made in the state of Texas. I know there were hundreds of people making whiskey in Texas, but we were the first ones to get a to permit to do it legally. Yeah. So that's one, and then the second one is you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's the God's honest truth. When you start making bourbon, you grind. When you make whiskey, you start by making beer. You just grind up a bunch of grain and ferment it. You pump it over to a still. You start heating up beer. Alcohol turns to vapor at different temperatures, so you sort of learn how to separate out those vapors. Um, with a giant challenge that a lot of those vapors can kill you. Mm. Um, so you learn which vapors you can keep. Then you put all that distillate that you want to keep in a brand new, and this is why bourbon's so bloody expensive, charred oak barrel. Um, and then you stare at it for a couple of years. Mm. And then three or four years later, you taste it, and it's awful because you don't know what you're doing. But then you've got, you can't start with one barrel of bourbon. You know, you can't make a barrel of bourbon and stare at it for three years and go, well, that's awful. Let's make another one. Yeah. You know, so you start making barrels of bourbon, you start filling barns up, you start groveling with your neighbors to give you money to build barns and buy barrels and pretty soon you've got barns full of terrible bourbon. Wow.
6: <laughs> Isn't it true the type of like barrel too, goes into like the taste of the bourbon? I just uh, watched a video on Maker's Mark probably a couple of weeks ago yeah. and on they they get their barrels from the same place. So like I'm just kind of curious on the barrel um, barrels, aspect.
2: Barrels the biggest part of bourbon whiskey. So You know what I was saying earlier, when you're making whiskey, right? You grind up your grains, make your beer, ferment your grain, put it in a barrel. Well, most whiskeys reuse barrels over and over and over again.
7: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And the reason they do that is think about it. When you light the inside of a barrel on fire, all you've done is made a Brita filter, right? You've activated the charcoal. And so what most whiskeys are looking for is that filtration. They're not necessarily looking for the sugar compounds that are in the oak, when you're making bourbon, you've got to use a brand new barrel every single time. Oh my God! Yeah. So if I use it once, I got to sell it off. So I sell it off to the Scotch guys and the whiskey guys and all those guys. But it's all the sugars in that wood. So the new barrel is really what makes bourbon sweet,
5: is what you're saying? Versus the Scotch, where it's not as sweet usually, and and all the other different types of whiskeys. Uh, like, but Canadian or isn't Canadian whiskey sweet as
2: well? Is that a similar concept or? Uh, Canadian whiskeys rise, so you can get a lot of pepper out of a lot of Canadian whiskeys. The thing about a lot of the Canadian whiskeys is they're just good. Those guys make really good whiskey up there. So that sweetness compound you're getting, you know, is a lot of Canadian whiskeys are, are either straight rise. They've got some corn in them, but uh, and corn <coughs> gives you a lot of sugars. But when it comes down to bourbon, you know, there's different flavors that you're going to get out of those sugars. And the art of really developing bourbon is learning how to work within the sugars within that barrel. So, I mean, when you're drinking the small batch, which I noticed you guys have drank pretty pretty vigorously. Um, <laughs> it, was it, it wasn't horrible. It's delicious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, you know, you get a lot of vanilla out of that, a lot of caramel, <laughs> you know, a lot of really rich, heavy notes, and that's that wood. And, and you add that wood to the insane climate on our ranch, and we're able to extract a lot of that sugar, a whole lot of it. So when I'm done with a barrel – we're done with it. What, what, we, what we wanted it for is no longer valuable to us.
4: And are you able to extract more because of that temperature gradient daily instead of over mm-hmm. the course of the year, like you were saying?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a fellow that writes a wh- book called The Whiskey Bible, and hmm. you know, he's a pretty respected guy in the whiskey world. But uh, he actually wrote that in one year on our ranch would be the equivalent of about four or five years in Kentucky, just in the climate exchange. But with, com- with the good comes the bad, like I said. In mm-hmm. Kentucky, if they lose four percent a year, in eight years they got plenty of bourbon left in a barrel. At twelve percent, do the math, mm-hmm. you know. And right. eight years, I've got a bottle bottle, you know, mm-hmm. in that barrel, which my brother doesn't care about.
7: <laughs> yeah.
2: My brother likes to spend money. He wakes up every morning and says, "How do I spend some more money making bourbon?" That's that's his. It's his total driving force he doesn't care less what it costs he just wants to make it better all for the better yeah that's all all Better. hey i can't complain i just drink it there you go there you go so what's the type of what's the type of wood then it's oak yeah so all oak all oak yeah so if you want to call it bourbon it has to be oak doesn't have to be american oak that's sort Mm -hmm. of an urban legend Mm -hmm. but it has to be oak and it's just you know bourbon is uniquely american so when you think of the rules, in 64 a bunch of bourbon distillers managed to write some rules of creating and putting bourbon on a bottle, and they got that to LBJ who actually signed it into a law. So now if you see bourbon on a, on a bottle that it has to be made in America, it never had to be made in Kentucky. That was always mm. urban legend. Yeah, that, that was the marketing guys huh. going, you know what? This is pretty cool, and we're good at this up here. Kentucky still makes, you know, 95 probably plus percent of the bourbon, but it doesn't have to come from Kentucky. It's got the B, they call it the ABCs of bourbon. The B is it has to be that brand new charred oak barrel. C is it's got to be 51% or more corn. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that just gets sort of geeky. What was the A? A is American. Anywhere in America, you can call it bourbon.
1: Got it. Got it. Speaking of which, let's uh, let's pass that next one around here while we're talking. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the next one?
2: So the first one you had was called Small Batch. That is the only thing that, that our master still our master still is a dude named Donis Todd. Um, Donis Todd is a true American badass. And uh, so Donis came to us before we made any bourbon. And he he's sort of grew up, you know, not literally, but he showed up and started making bourbon from day one with my brother. Oh, wow. And uh, So everything that Donis makes on the ranch is called small-batch bourbon. 74% white corn, which is unique. It's a food-grade grain. 15% soft red winter wheat and 11% barley. That is the mash bill for every single- Every single. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, With with one exception of one called a high rye. Donis does what Donis wants, and then we try to clean up that sort of how to turn that into a product after the fact. So he's done a rye, which- I, I did an auction a while back for the Alamo, and one bottle of that rye went for $12,000. Wow. I, I just sat there thinking, what an idiot. I could have put a case of that <laughs> away, paid for my kid's college. But, wow. uh But yeah, so that's everything we make, with that one exception, is the same mash bill. And he wakes up every day to make small batch bourbon. And then over the years, he started to identify patterns and trends that were coming out of our wood, the oak barrels that we use. Hmm. And one of those trends was a honey characteristic. So he started combining all of those bourbons together and aging them in a separate barn and uh, trying to enhance that natural honey. Honey is The honey flavor is one of the natural sugars in oak. So it's, it's all about trying to find what it is in that particular oak barrel and make it more elegant and bring it out. And so that's what he's done with our honeydew. So the one you're drinking now, we made because my brother's wife told us to. Um, Um, it's the first kind of, uh, delicate bourbon that Garrison, probably the only delicate bourbon Garrison brothers has ever done. And it's the only 80 proof bourbon we've ever done. And you'll get some honey finish to it when
1: you drink it on the nose. You can definitely Mm -hmm. get it.
3: That's why Connor's smiling. That's exactly why I'm smiling. So delicate. (laughs) It's not a very robust trap.
6: (laughs) Gonna hurt my feelings over here, man. Oh, darling, you know I love you. So, Charlie, I, <laughs> I, gotta, I can't understand
2: you. Is it tramp or chap? Was it a robust chap?
3: Robust chap.
2: Chap. Okay. Yes. Oh. Sounds
3: like it. not where you're going, Texas boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen chaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, assless chaps. Yeah, in, in Cave Creek, nonetheless. You know, I
2: thought yeah. this geoholics thing would be all classy and poised. No, no. You thought Um, wrong.
3: They're they're with the neighborhood. Yeah, Yeah, the only geospatial information we're going to give are the GPS coordinates of your bombs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's it. So we can find them.
1: So hopefully I have this right, but I I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, um, and he said there's a funny story about this one. He's like, ask Charlie about the story about this one. It's really funny.
2: Do you know what he's talking about? I was probably making stuff up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Chances are it's that my brother's wife is, uh, she was our first investor. She is still one of our largest investors. Um, she's just a stud. Oh, she, she's unbelievable. And uh, she started telling my brother that he needed to make a honey finished whiskey. She's got really good friends that own a wildflower honey business, and it just made sense to her. And the problem with a honeyed whiskey is, I believe, and as does my brother, that if you drink honey-flavored whiskey, you're going to go to hell, right? <laughs> because think about it. When you start thinking of those, and I'm not going to name names, but if you think about the giant mass-produced honey-flavored whiskeys, those are what you drink after your 14th beer, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you shoot them back, and it's meant to just be like a yeehaw moment. Yeah. We make stupid, expensive bourbon. People don't drink Garrison Brothers for a yeehaw moment, usually. Right and uh so we were not too eager to make this so we made up every story under the sun about you know stills are at maximum capacity or whatever (laughs) and then she finally my brother came in one day and said well we're making honeyed bourbon and i don't know what happened to lead to that but we started to and donna's um looked at it and said look i can make good honeyed bourbon and i went that's i don't believe you but okay (laughs) yeah and uh to make a long story short he starts out with our honeydew by starting by making the small batch so again honeyed bourbon supposed to be dirty cheap bourbon right mm-hmm. this stuff's 80 bucks a bottle and uh so he started out with the small batch which was already expensive as heck to make and then he uh would take the barrels that had that natural honey finish and imagine though that finish at about 125 135 proof Jeez. right it's just it's it's fabulous Mm -hmm. um but we were looking for a sort of a feminine delicate kind of bourbon and so he said look i got to get it to 80 proof so he took the barrels that he actually dumped that had that honey characteristic he cut them up into chunks about you know half the size of a cell phone and uh, soaked those kind of infused them actually into the honey then he let it all dry off and then he would Deep those barrel chunks in this, that honey, that naturally honey characterized small batch for anywhere from three to six months, because mm. he was so terrified. He was going to get an over sweet bourbon. He wanted yeah. to be able to stop as soon as it got to just that finish. Nice. So what I love about honey do is you get all the bourbon up yeah. front, uh, yep. but then at the finish, you get that sweetness on, of the honey. So yeah. I was wrong. We can't keep it in stock. It sells faster than damn near anything we've got.
3: Yeah.
2: And, uh, like so, always, my brother's wife wins.
3: So um <laughs> for the listeners that aren't in heaven right now, like we are, what is that bottle called? So they can It is called Honeydew. In. Honeydew. Because
2: it's a like honeydew list of it's, my it's the, it's the yellow one. Yeah, yes. the yellow one.
4: Okay, yes. good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, really, it's got a great yeah. finish. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It does so. have a Connor esque finish. Very oh, delicate. Very, very delicate. delicate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Delic- if you can see flower. Connor. I'm sorry, but he doesn't
2: strike me as delicate. Yeah. You, okay. know, no, you know no, maybe, no, no. maybe if he shapes what do you think
1: okay. <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> let's,
7: let's I'm not too frail. delicate
6: I'm not too delicate <laughs> so you talked about Buffalo Trace having an influence or or the master person that mm-hmm. you went to and had you know helped you guys out Sean and I are big bland fans right characterize you as a bland fan at least uh, I would say I'm a
4: I, I'm a blatant fan they, oh that's a, it's one of the big ones yes
6: that helped evolve me into,
4: yeah. and actually, to to Charlie's credit, I did a whiskey dinner many years ago, and that was one of the introductions to a higher level of whiskey or a higher level of bourbon, I should say. Yeah,
6: mm-hmm. yeah. that's what that's what introduced me to, to bourbon was was blends. So, so, like, you're what ruined. makes it? Yeah, yeah, I was ruined. I, you can't find the damn thing either. I, I yeah. anyways, it's, it's
3: my perfect flavor profile, so, and everything gets judged to it. It is. I agree. So, so what
6: you. makes it so special and like is that an influence in your guys's distillery process and creating your bourbon still it's blanton's is a huge influence on us
0: and the mm.
2: what made blanton so special was elmer t lee okay. he was the guy that made blanton's Jeez. um and so when 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 you think of blanton's you know blanton's is, is the first single barrel whiskey right, right. and uh it, it was his pet project, and the still that we use, our first still that we got was one of his old Blanton stills. Oh, well, um, I'm in heaven. Yeah, and, <laughs> I'm and so, in no, and, we, and, and think about that. Two morons in the middle of nowhere in Texas have got this legendary, I mean, she's the center of our entire distillery now. We don't use her as often because she's too small. We make a ton of bourbon now, but uh, but Donis uses her for, you know, his, his practice, things he wants to work on, just like Mr. Lee did, but... When people Blanton's now is getting a hard rap, just because bourbon has exploded so much. Um, so there's a billion folks that'll say I love Blanton's because you're supposed to say I love Blanton's, but there's a reason that the world loves Blanton's. It's you know it is just world class. It, and it John it, Wick, and for the price point too. I just there you go. yeah that,
3: that 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 absolutely crushed supply. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: John Wick was drinking it. Yeah,
3: John John Wick. Was, you didn't know that? Colin? No. Yeah, I didn't green. Green Well,
4: you see it in in TV and movies all over. Like yeah. a, yeah, it's a on the studio set, a a dry bar has got a ball. Uh-huh. It's always that that round bottle, and now you see it like immediately. You'll spot your. eye. I mean, look
6: for yeah, it. Yeah, no, and I, I, see I I've seen it recently, like in TV shows and stuff. But it's I got it as a gift three years ago, and oh. I can't get enough. I, I every time I go to the grocery store, I go back to the the salesperson. It, yeah. Safeway and Albertsons are probably the best places that I've found it or yeah. AJ's around here. But like, I'll go talk to them and try to figure out like when it's coming in and all these things. And like, you've got to be on waiting lists and phone calls. And so I've got like that random. numbers you need calling. to
4: pay them money to get on the hire you Yeah, that's to what pay. I am. Yeah, uh, slip the gun. That's out. what I've learned. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. I've yeah. learned. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. learned. Blends is yeah. actually so cool that it makes movie stars cooler to drink it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, that's the reality. Wow. Is it's got that kind of mystique to it now that is that is just beyond. And but the thing is. Elmer T. Lee made dozens and oh, dozens yeah, of brilliant, brilliant bourbons. William LaRue Weller, George T. Stagg, yeah. Andy.
4: My, my new favorite is George T. Stagg. Yeah. Mm, yep, Stagg and Weller. Yep.
2: Wait till I get uh, you to the Balmeray. I got gotcha, you, yeah, man.
4: That was, uh, that was my main question is, what do you think about this third, or third? I call it a third-party market, but this market where these guys keep really good bottles and then trade them with each other and – no one actually drinks anything. You just oh, I'll give you two stags for a pappy and all I've this stuff, and forever. then they just keep this, and then yeah. you know, I would.
2: What, 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 I know you have opinions. <laughs> I got tons of them. Yeah. Most of them are dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 secondary market in a million ways bums me out. Sure. But there's not a distillery in America. doesn't also play to it okay you know we'd we'd be lying if we said ah that's just terrible you know heck no they those guys live for bourbon you know they literally wake up every morning you're talking about lining up for your blantons yeah that every single liquor store in the country Mm -hmm. when when buffalo trace does their their you know seasonal releases Mm -hmm. those guys have to fight off lines in the morning and it's the guys that some of them drink them, you know, and, and most folks, if they can do it, they'll get two. They'll take one and drink it, and then they'll park one for eternity. Um, and as I understand it, it's gone up. Somebody told me the other day that an investment in fine bourbon 10 years ago would have made double gold. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, that market, I don't know how long it'll be here for. The one, personally, I think that there are so many smaller distilleries now that's bourbons are starting to come of age. That I think you're about to see a whole lot of really brilliant bourbons
6: on the market. A Pri- whole lot. Private equity hit it hard about oh, God, five yes. six years ago. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which
4: means about
6: now. Yes, it's going to be
4: some of those kinks, and they're getting those two and three year olds that are going to start. I mean, they're just like, like yeah. you just described.
2: When I'm traveling around, my favorite thing to do is not go and and, and get the most brilliant whiskies of the places that I'm going. It's always to find that little distiller that's, you know, in his barn or wherever, little, you know, metal shed somewhere and see what they're up to. Mm -hmm. You know, that's because you can drink it. The first couple of years we made bourbon, it was hot. It was rough. You know, I mean, it was, it wasn't ready, but you started to go, oh my God, I know what I got here. If I can give it two more years, three more years, I'm seeing that everywhere right
1: now. It's really not different than the wine culture, really.
2: Uh, I'm not nearly intelligent enough to talk about wine.
6: That's so far beyond my pay grade. So what is it like, like skinning the wines and the different skins or skinning the grape and stuff? I'm like, hi, hey, you lost me in that.
3: <laughs> so you the... You're 10 and zero gone. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like holding on to a bottle like that and it as it ages, how, how does the flavor profile improve or doesn't it
2: doesn't once it's in the bottle yeah. as long as you take care of it it'll just park okay. you know it, it'll be perfectly still get you gotta got to get it, it out of the barrel yeah what does know. take care of it mean uh just don't let it get too hot you know if it's sitting in a hot climate for too long there's also something called a uh, uh, cork rot mm-hmm. i think i made that term up but basically it's the idea that the cork over time mm-hmm. um, a lot of folks have gone to synthetic corks we did because the corks can dry out and kind of ruin the flavor of the bourbon so as long as you take care of the bottle and put it in, you know, a good climate, then it should last you longer. Than What's a, a good
6: climate?
2: Um, you know, just a little bit of humidity and, and not freezing, not hot, not, you know, th- our bourbons, you don't want to leave it in your car. You know, it's right. here in Arizona, it's a hundred million degrees in that car and you're going to wreck that bourbon. And the wax is going to melt all over your seats, by the way. It's a little life lesson. Did we That's talk
1: that. about this uh, third beauty that you sent around?
2: Did I send it? Yeah, nice. I did. I sent out yeah, the steel all right,
3: the silver one. Oh boy, yeah, here Look, it goes, go kids. On, wheels are off. <laughs>
4: What's our time? Uh, Fifty minutes in, and the wheels <laughs> are officially
3: off. forty. Forty, but <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a new
4: record, guys. I, new
3: record. I just like to make a statement. Charlie's a professional. We're just pretending to be professionals on the podcast. If he's already wheels are off, oh shit!
6: Ubers are coming. And the he definition
2: of professional there makes me laugh too.
6: <laughs> professional drinker. Mm. Wouldn't that be a great title?
2: So it's a silver bottle and it is named? It is called Single Barrel. Single Barrel. And so we're perfect segue from Blanton's, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when Donis is pulling all the barrels, every Monday, he'll dump about 55 barrels to make the small batch. We used to do it seasonally. When we were smaller, we could round up the barrels and we'd do a spring release and a fall release. And those each one would be very unique because the bourbon was aging so quickly where we were. And the you know, you get your grains, you get your different seasons. So those were really unique. And then we kind of outgrew ourselves. You know, we, we we started adding stills, making more bourbon. And uh finally we started to learn about what's happening in those barrels. And so when Donis is pulling his fifty-five barrels for his small batch every single Monday, he's thinking about Certain flavor profiles that he has in his mind, and he wants to marry those together to get to our small batch. Small batch is what Garrison Brothers considers our fundamental root bourbon, mm-hmm. right? But he'll get to barrels that may have really big, bold, unique flavors to them. And when he gets there, he'll say, wait a minute, this one may have too much of one profile that it may negatively impact what I want from my small batch. He may like it more than the small batch. He may like it less. That's not necessarily the point. The point is it's a big, unique barrel. And so he'll dump those individually. So this particular bottle is a barrel 14,280. And it was bottle five from that barrel. And once you're done with barrel 14,280, you're you're never going to find it again. And so sing, every single, single barrel is going to be its own duck. And so when, when you're going into a liquor store and looking for single barrel, it just means that you may not find it again. You know, so you, if you love it, sip on it.
3: Mm. So can I ask, do you have little elves that use sharp, silver Sharpies and write those numbers on individually? <laughs> you know, we, we call it the, the bourbon maquilladora.
2: Oh God. Are
1: give those me, like the Oompa Give me a second. <laughs>
2: Uh, so they're volunteers. So no every way. single bottle of Garrison Brothers is bottled by volunteers, wow. yeah. It's because we're rednecks, guys. We don't have fancy, we've got rednecks. stills, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is what probably it probably is, love it. I love it. I love it. You get paid uh, by the
3: case or something, yeah. Or uh,
2: so, no, we don't have a bottling machine. Our bottling line is a, a table that's probably 20 30 yards long with a bunch of crock pots in it that we get from Walmart. Mm. And we put the wax in there and you give us two days. You get a, you come out and volunteer. We keep you fed. Uh, You get a shot of motivation every half hour or so. I'm there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you bottle for two days. And look at this, 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 I'm looking at the small batch bottle and the wax on the small batch bottle is up near the neck. Mm -hmm. That's what I call a four o'clock bottle. Right? (laughs) They've been there since (laughs) 9am. You know, they're tired. They may have been over motivated. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, a four PM bottle, and then this one, the single barrel. Look how tidy that is, and nice okay. and clean yes, to the shoulder. Oh, that's a ten that's, AM yeah, bottle, yeah, right it's nine ten there. in the morning. Yeah, so, yeah. so when,
6: so when, when does this happen? Every every week, like every month. Like, it used like- to happen a couple of times a year.
2: Now it almost is three hundred and sixty five days a year. Wow. We've got eighteen thousand people on the waiting list. When we put out oh, the bottling man. invite, it'll sell out usually within twenty four hours for those slots. And it's just a two-day party, you know. If there's if there's football on, we got college football going, and if if you know, otherwise we're just cranking music. And it's it's so when you come visit, one of my favorite parts is you're walking around and it's you know it's a distillery and it's you got to be serious to a degree. And so oh, we're, we're now actually reputable, so we followed this thing called OSHA, which is nonsense. Um,
7: <laughs> <laughs> but so
2: there's yellow lines and all these things that keep you you know keep Safe. people alive, which right. is, seems a little.
3: It don't ru- ruins the flavor. So yeah, you don't you know, the least some don't about you guys, now, some that,
2: people don't need to live. Yes, exactly. Th- that but
4: clearly th- sounded like an invite.
3: Said, <laughs> yeah, that's what
2: when I'm when saying is when are we
6: coming? coming? <laughs> when are the <laughs> geoholics coming? Uh,
2: no, do come Brando. out show bottle. It is it is just a blast. And then, you know, our town is Fredericksburg, and everybody goes to a place called the Albert Ice House, which is it's three people in the town, and they built awesome. a bar, and they have a big old dance hall, and you sit out there. and
3: Next podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll
2: there you from oh, Albert. There you go, man. Yeah. That'd be awesome, we'll do we'll it. Do it from the yeah. distillery.
3: Yeah,
1: amazing.
2: So this was a single barrel. What I got out of that was a whole lot of. um It's got a peppery finish to it, yeah. but it's got a real big sweet up front. I'm gonna need another, uh, double, uh, check need another yeah, double check. That yeah, yeah that was pretty good. I, I'm, I'm not sure I got that. Evaporate, same. guys. That's I've got shot. like six glasses in front of me right now. For folks <laughs> want refills, hang on two secs.
3: And by this the way, is, for, this is impressive. By the way, oh, for right. all of our listeners, we're cleansing our palates with liquid death. <laughs> Friend of the program. <laughs> Friend of the program. <laughs> mineral water in a can. Oh, and
6: so, it looks so macho. You yes, know, if you're does. drinking liquid
2: death, that's awesome.
3: What's, yeah.
6: the, what's the typical price point for uh, this single barrel? Not enough. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah,
2: no. Yeah. So, so small batch typically yeah. is going to run you from 80 to 90 bucks. Single and honeydew will be about mm-hmm. the so same. Good. Uh, single barrel typically is about 110 to 120. Um, hmm. And then when we get to these other guys, buckle up. It goes up from there.
1: Buckle up, Can cowboy. I explain why? So let me ask you this. Because like, <laughs> your brother? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, bringing up the whole wine culture, I guess. But you know, in, in, in that culture, there's a sommelier right? Like expert, you know, wine, whatever. Is there anything like that on the whiskey side?
2: There's some folks that are starting those types of programs, you know, so you can go get training in, in whiskey and there is certified spirit specialists. Yeah. Okay. So most of the folks that are out selling it have a certification to understand spirits. Um, and there's some fun, crazy guys in Texas that have had sort of a, they've created a, a whiskey boot camp. I can't remember their name, but they're out of their minds. They're hysterical. They run around and well, if anything, it's the whiskey tribe. you know, yeah. it, it's, it's the whiskey tribe, right? The tribe, yeah, yeah that's the tribe. it. The tribe, and they tribe. have this
5: YouTube channel. And oh, like really? This wizard House, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they, they they create all these YouTube videos where they literally taste whiskeys uh. and actually give like free lessons on whiskeys and talk hmm. about the difference between bourbons and how scotches. How do we how, how, know how do we not know about?
6: <laughs> <laughs> My, well, let's just say for I, the, I, for I the, the listeners, with, his voice. He's actually he's, 20. He's over 21, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank voice, God I'm going to prison like otherwise. Voice. <laughs> we do have friends of the program here. That's yeah. why.
2: <laughs> so there, there are programs like that that are, uh, that are a blast, you know, and, and you can learn a lot. But more than anything, you can take tours. You know, go down and do the tours of all the distilleries, go out to Kentucky. The Kentucky's obviously got, got the Bourbon Trail, yeah. and you can go see giant, awesome distilleries that are just elegant and gorgeous. And then you can come down and do what we call the Texas Whiskey Trail, and it's you know guys in barns that are wearing boots and shorts coming out, and they're making it, and they'll show you around, and you know that's the way to learn, man. That's it's fun. Yeah. The whiskey trail just brings me more joy than I can tell you.
3: That got to make a trip. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, a, a quick story. A very good friend of mine. I introduced them to Blanton's, and I was bragging that I had collected all the horses but I was missing one letter and it's so bloody hard to find and you're like I'm not buying this bottle because I've got six ends sod this for a game of soldiers so he calls me he says hey mark we took a trip me and with some buddies we're on the uh, bourbon trail I'm in Blanton's right now what letter are you missing so I tell him well anyway he's so shit-faced he couldn't remember so he, <laughs> when I when I meet him a week later at stake 44 he gives me a bag and I go what's this he goes I couldn't freaking remember what letter you were missing so I just bought all of them. Oh, that's <laughs> a good friend to have. And I'm like, friend. you're telling me that instead of spending $2000 on Blanton to get all the bloody letters, I could have spent 50 bucks. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I go, "Well, I'm an alcoholic."
6: <laughs> My name's Mark.
7: That's
6: awesome. Gosh, how did he find just wow. just you can go to that distillery yeah. and it, it, they'll they sell the bottles there, like yeah.
3: So they have a really neat because of all you know all the old horses replicate like yeah, yes. in
6: Turkey Derby. Well, yes. they'll
3: send sell you a stave of a barrel or half of the top mm. of a barrel, and you can actually have LED lights. You put your Blanton's bottle on, it lights up. Oh, I've seen, yeah, 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 yeah. So they sell all of that along with. I've been contributing
6: to his. Uh, he's trying to get that, so I've been yeah. contributing. I to I Sean on by, on by him, him. it's quest.
7: Sean. It's organic, organic quest. quest.
5: Okay.
3: So uh,
6: no, it, no, no. I'm, it, I'm organic. It's got yeah, to be natural. It's, it's, it's got to be natural.
3: It's cheating, so that's why I have three collections going now.
5: How many <laughs> letters do you have, Sean?
4: Five.
3: <laughs> you
5: and are they all ends like out. his, or are they... No, no, ed, they're all different. Uh,
2: they're all, they're her, all
4: unique. Yeah.
3: We it's should be, do something like that What's the one? B B's like the hardest? Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> my, idiot. my brother's an idiot. it am it. There's
2: there's seven expressions. We're going to have to find, like, <laughs> Two idiots, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a better, huh? a better term.
3: But. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mark, what was the question you were asking before we started recording about the most expensive? Oh, so when we went on the tour, which is how we how we met. At uh, by the way, anyone who hasn't been to the Foundry, they do amazing, um, amazing mm-hmm. dinner collections. Um, you described it as the most expensive bourbon process, but not the most expensive bourbon out there because. And I quote, my brother's an idiot. That is exactly why. So please explain that. Um, all right. So
2: Dan, when he started, when I say Dan's an idiot, the the reality is I think Dan may be a little too smart for his own good. It's certainly too smart for the friend group we run around with. And uh, so he sort of sees things analytically. And uh, when we started this thing, Dan realized that it was going to take a long time. It, our business plan, if he did everything exactly like he said, had a 12-year break-even, right? Wow. Sell that one to a bank. Go go to a bank and say, I can start paying you guys back in 12 short years. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to make an illegal product. Oh, yeah? <laughs> how, how, how do you know how to make it? Well, I don't yet. <laughs> you know, that, that was the business strategy, um, so when I say he's an idiot, I think I've got a pretty valid argument, <laughs> you too. but, uh, but long and short is he realized early on that if we tried to make Kentucky bourbon, we were never going to get there. You know, we had to be whatever Texas bourbon was. And so our vision, our, his dream, our dream was to be Texas first legal whiskey and make something we were proud of. And so he went into it with this mindset of um, our, 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 our mantra, our, our mission statements to make better bourbon than the day before, period, right? That's all we want to do. And Dan, the way, what over time you learn that there's a lot of ways to make better bourbon and every one of them costs a fricking fortune and Dan couldn't care less. I mean, he truly doesn't care. So the grain that we use to make Garrison Brothers is food grade grain and we use white corn. Most Mm -hmm. distilleries are going to use yellow dent number two grade, which is a cattle grade corn. Mm -hmm. It's about a quarter of the price, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. But Dan felt like that that quality corn might one day make a quality product. We didn't know. We just thought. Um, So then you grind up all that grain. You run it over to your stills. In an American whiskey, everybody does something called sour mashing, Mm -hmm. right? And they advertise it and promote it with great joy on their labels. Mm -hmm. Um, Sour mashing simply means once you've – separated the alcohols in that beer by heating it up and turning them to vapor. Um, In the bottom and the belly of that still is going to be, you know, a bunch of oils from the the grain, all the husks, a bunch of congeners, a bunch of things that you don't want in your distillate. But if you take about a third of that and dump it back in with your fresh grain, it's going to act that you're fermenting it's going to act like a bread starter, kind of like a a, yeast, like a yeast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it'll keep that flavor consistent. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And my brother's logic, which was really sound in my head was I don't reuse coffee grounds. Why would I reuse my grains? Mm. Um, The other logic, which seems clear, and I, and I dearly appreciate now is that we don't want to be consistent. Consistent's boring. You know, yeah. I, when you don't know what you're doing, you really don't want to do it consistently. You know, yeah. Let's let's sure. figure some stuff out, bloody our noses a couple of times, then we'll start worrying about consistency. So the end Otherwise result you is
3: just end up with Jack.
2: Yeah, you do well. I'm not going to call out a name. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. But I, we'll uh, call
3: it Philip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could end up with a Philip.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, you just we 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 wanted to make better bourbon, so he doesn't sour mash, which means we're using a third more grain every single time. And that grain is much more expensive than traditional grain. And then finally, when you're done with that, you put it in that dang barrel. And, you know, we brought down all these barrels from Kentucky and filled them up with all sorts of different recipes for distillate and we popped them all. You know, the climate is so extreme. If you think about what a barrel is, it's nothing but Tupperware, right? It's mm-hmm. colonial Tupperware. You'd use that thing for fish one day, then you'd light the inside on fire and you use it for oil the next time it was mm-hmm. they just reused it over and over and they learned over all those years of distilling how to make barrels that worked in Kentucky's climate right it turns out those barrels don't work outside of Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana that climate mm. and so we had to learn to make our own barrels which my brother thought was the greatest thing that had ever happened in the world i'm i'm freaking out cuz we're broken we're not like in debt we're going to prison you know <laughs> and uh and dan's like this is fantastic if we can figure out these barrels then we'll have something that's truly unique to our space and i'm like "God oh, damn you know how do you how do you get the, and so what he did which i just cracks me up is he went back to the same investors that we had just spent all their money and he said i have such great news i know we've been doing this three years and we have no bourbon to show for it but we've learned a lot and if you ever want to nickel back you got to give me a bunch more money. And they did. And so we started getting custom barrels. So we learned how to make barrels that are unique to our climate. And between that and our insane aging, you know, like I said, I lose 12% a year. So a four-year-old bourbon, I'm not getting much of that barrel back. And then Dan or Donis will take that bourbon that's left, you know, if you get 40 bottles out of a dang barrel. And then they'll put it in a second brand-new oak barrel. And it may be French limousine oak. You know what I mean? It could be a $2,000 barrel, and then they leave it in there another six years, and I lose another two-thirds of it. And that's, so that's I, the nature of, of working with Dan and Donis.
3: I have a suggestion for the next bottle's name. We shall call it Savant, as <laughs> an idiot Savant. Savant? <laughs> yes, because your brother is clearly an idiot Savant.
2: He is, he, Dan is everything he has touched in his life. Dan lives five to ten years ahead of the rest of us. Mm. It's just where his head is all the time. He, when he was doing tech... He was five to 10 years out when he was doing every, it's just where his head is. And it's, it's crazy to watch. Cause just like any futurist, you know, everybody that's says they're nuts till it happens. Right. And that's, that's just right. where my brother lives. It's insane. Yeah. Absolutely nuts.
5: So you cut down on overhead when it comes to bottling, but you spend all the money with the whole process. <laughs> oh yeah. And then we've
2: got a dude named Rob Cordes. Who's our, uh, she calls himself our chief marketing dude and rob designs these bottles that are you know off the charts fancy and and i love it you know my ego is stroked beyond belief you walk in and you see all these colored waxes and the band the star and and he he literally the the stars he etches the first one every single time to marry the ingredients of the bottle to the package he's he's just a total creative guy is that like the
4: medallion over there on that one
2: yeah, that's that's this is all everything you see on a bottle. This is Balmoray. We'll drink it next. But uh yeah, everything you see is Rob. I mean, look at that. He's got the the blue for that's This awesome. was named after a state park in Texas called Balmoray State Park. Um Dan wanted to save the state park because it was running out of uh it wasn't being funded very well, and it's the fir- it's the largest naturally fed swimming hole. Um, in the country and it's in Balmeray, Texas, out in West Texas, true oasis. And, uh, it was falling apart. And so my brother decided, well, we've got to save it. And we all looked at him and said, why we've (laughs) borrowed money. You know, we don't, we're not profitable. You can't start investing into state parks and things with other people's money. And Dan said, yeah, we can. And so he created brands. So he created Balmeray named it Balmeray after that state park, and a percentage of all the money that comes from Balmeray sales goes to that state park. And as we speak, he is in Balmeray right now, um, and he's planting trees there. He's, he's created an endowment, and he's, like I said, he was five years out. He started this thing eight years ago to raise money for Balmeray. It's open again. They had to close it at one point. And now he's got a 100-year plan he's working on to keep Balmeray Sort of this. If you grow up in Texas, you lie to everybody and you say, "I learned to swim at Balmoray State Park." <laughs> right? It's one of those things you tell. Nobody did. Nobody uh-huh. learned to swim from Balmoray but you have to say it to be a true Texan. And it's uh-huh. so Dan's. Dan's working on it.
1: So what makes uh, Balmoray special?
2: Uh, second beer. I'll let you try it. We'll taste.
1: Is it the water from the park? No, 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 <laughs>
2: no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, it's uh. This so one. this everything like I said starts as whoops. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Two seconds. All right, so what you got here, before you kick it back, is 115 proof, right? It will it will. The wheels you, are going off about yeah.
6: 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll
2: make you blind or make you pretty, one or the other. But uh, it is double-oaked <laughs> Garrison Brothers.
3: I know I've had too much. I didn't sniff the bourbon. I started sniffing the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> the thing sitting in front of you. Actually, yes, when we're done with good. this,
2: we'll see if Mark finally thinks that Connor's pretty. <laughs>
6: but uh that's a couple no more doubt, shots no, no you. Mind. Yeah. that's right. a couple more t- shots that you need for that one i got a, a radio face
1: he's blind at that point <laughs> yeah so
2: balmeray is it starts as the small batch but when he's finding barrels that start to have a, a real white chocolate characteristic then he starts to separate those at and it's exactly like the honeydew he has barrels that are made now that are specifically made with that in mind so he'll finish it three, four years as a traditional small batch barrel. And then once he finds those ones that have that that unique sweet white chocolate sort of angel food cake kind of character. But how does he th- find Angel those? food cake, how does that's he, it. How does Isn't that know? it? It's yeah. crazy. How does he know? It, because he's tasting them. Every barrel that comes off the ranch, every single barrel, and we're at 40,300 as of today, Wow. he's tasted every one. That's when he does he picks. taste them? That's like a good in the job. morning. When he he wakes goes in at four thirty in the morning, and he, he he zeroes in on the barrels he's looking for that day, and, and he sips through them, and you know he's he's the guy's insane. He's His unreal.
1: His has to be unbelievable. I want it, that job. It,
2: it is so much so that the whole COVID scare my biggest fear wasn't I'm going to die. It's what happens if Donnis loses his taste. <laughs> that, that was a hundred percent of our panic. Yeah. We would like separate him out. He couldn't come <laughs> here. People he was permanently him, yeah, He was in a barn. We wouldn't go in the barn. <laughs> yeah. It was because everyone left the ranch for the time, right? Uh, so it spent three years, three or four years, probably about four years on this one in this, in the traditional small batch bottle. And then another two years, in a bottle, in a barrel that was specifically he had specifically made because he's learned that those barrels draw up more of that white chocolate, that angel food dead. I'm loving when it because Mark's taking pictures food, of the that's, bottle. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was getting. Yeah, that angel isn't that food. crazy? Yeah. It's, this on ice
2: cream. Life's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. go back to Steak Forty Four. Mm. Get their 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 ice cream and whatever they've got like a finished dessert. Pour mm-hmm. this all over. It.
3: Oh, oh my god! So Kent, one word to describe that? Uh, exquisite.
6: Connor. Delicious.
3: Sean? Uh, I like dessert. Well, mm. for me, orgasmic. Of course. <laughs>
2: of, of course. There, there seems to be a theme that, that <laughs> yes. comes back. Absolutely. Connor. It's the
3: boarding school. But it is. It's <laughs> clearly on. It's the boarding school. <laughs> yes, it's the boarding school in me. Absolutely. Yes, I did go to Hogwarts. That.
2: My brother Hogwarts and I school? each went to boarding school. Yeah. My dad went to a boarding school because he was a Navy brat. And my brother and I are the only guys to have the record for going to one of the oldest boarding schools in the country, and we each got kicked out twice. Twice? They yeah. Took you back. Yeah, we didn't want to. Dan was really good at football, and I was Dan's brother. <laughs> 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 so there was potential. Yeah, but we didn't want to be there, so we went back and went, "Well, what do we got to do to get kicked out?" It took about fifteen minutes to figure out. We got ourselves kicked back out. Well, would you get? Would you get kicked out for? I don't, can you, can I you don't talk see about? it? <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's really necessarily
6: part of the story. Her
2: name is
3: Mary Sue.
2: <laughs> no, no, there's like an internal damnation part of it. It's it's awful.
6: I'm teasing. No, no.
1: So I'm backing up a little bit. So the, the barrels, for how many barrels do you have at one time that are live, I guess?
2: So it varies pretty wildly, to be very honest. It's a, It really depends on... What we're trying to do, you know, I mean, if, if you think about the, God, that's, a, that's a really tough question to answer because now we've gotten to a point, we've been doing it long enough that we really do understand what's starting to happen in those barrels. So Donis knows what projects he's got going on. He, there's a couple he's working on right now that he's five or six years in that we didn't even know existed, wow. you know, and so he, he's always got different things coming and, uh, so it, it's almost impossible to answer that. I'd bet you at any given time, he's probably got a thousand barrels that he's got beat on where he's like, all right, this group is doing X, that group's doing Y. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm, it's a pretty wild guess.
1: So what kind of like maintenance has to take place for these barrels? Like, do you have to turn them once in a while or something? Or I, how, do, how does that process work?
2: Well, I, have a, I have another quick question on, yeah? does Donis have a protege?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: He's, he's got, a, he, he does actually. Donis has got, uh, I want to say six production operators is what he calls them. And, and Donis is, he came to us right out of the military, he had an entire career in the military. Um, very funny career. Donis was, Donis's grandpa was a very respected distiller in Ohio, uh, during that whole prohibition thing.
7: <laughs>
2: and, uh. And Donis always wanted to be his grandpa. You know, his grandpa was his role model, bit old ham hook hands and that whole thing. And uh, so Donis has been distilling forever. And when he was in the military, he was all over the Middle East. And you can't get booze in the Middle East, but you could if your CO had Donis on board, right? Mm-hmm. And so Donis has been distilling for, forever. And, uh, but he has that military mindset that you come into Donis's world as the FNG period you're starting out as that entry level and you're going to work and you're going to work and you're going to learn how to make mash you're going to grind grain and over years and years and years you're going to get moved up once you've proven competent it doesn't matter how long you've been there you got to know what you're doing and so he's got what he calls them production operators and there's some of them have been with us for god 15 years that that, yeah and those guys they know how marketable they are you know, we, we live in the hill country of Texas is, in, in our opinion, is kind of like heaven, but I can only imagine how often they're getting recruited away all day long. Wow. You know, they, they're 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 pretty respected at this point. Any one of those folks would would easily pick up an offer at any other distillery in the country.
4: So is there like a natural ability or like, isn't there some, like you mentioned the sommeliers, like, Some people have a
2: better sense of smell and a better palate than others. Like, and I guess that's how you weed through them. But, but Donis is tasting our barrels. Donis is tasting them with those folks. He'll bring them along and say, Hey, here's, do you get this? Do you get that? Mm. But, uh, but you know, Donis is the final word of every barrel that leaves the ranch. He won't let a single barrel because a single barrel is, you know, so much a black and white example of Garrison Brothers on, on what happened in that wood that he's unbelievably protective of his single barrels. I mean, this year I want to say we had a total of maybe two or three hundred that were available. And, and if you think about 40,000 barrels on a ranch, there's a ton that could have been. Donis will dump it before he'll bottle it mm. if he's not comfortable.
1: I'm picturing Donis as like this mad scientist kind of uh, individual,
2: big old tatted up flames <laughs> on his arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's. We're all scared of Donis. Donis is, you know, it's yes or no, sir. He does what he wants, and Dan and I act like we walk by and go, oh, yeah, I want this, and yeah. then we just sneak away, and he does what he wants.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah,
2: so so, it's like supreme trust in him. Is that, is that like, like yeah, he truly just says, truly yeah no adonis is i i don't believe and i'm sure there's a half a dozen people sweating right now hearing this but i don't think we'd be where we are even i don't sure. think we'd be on the map
6: if it was not for donna Stott, period so um, when he's like tasting the barrels and stuff like is it uh sips like we were having or like how, how much is he like tasting in the barrel okay. i'm kind of curious like is it a full glass like
2: no, he'll he'll drink it, spin. but most of what he's using is his nose. Oh. So he's nosing it like crazy and then he'll he'll take a teeny little sip of it. He'll only do a couple of barrels a day, you know, but he'll go in every morning or I should say he goes, you know, a couple of barrels in the morning, never enough to to feel anything. Cuz keep in mind these barrels are one twenty to one forty proof. Yeah. You know, we haven't we use rainwater to proof our bourbon down. Remember, I was talking about our well water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awesome for fermentation, mm-hmm. but it's got sulfur in it. It smells like rotten eggs. It's terrible to drink. It wrecks a coffee filter in a month. But the, it you can't proof the bourbon. Proofing is where you come out of the barrels at one hundred and thirty, you know, proof or so, and you want to get it down to ninety four proof. Mm-hmm. So for that, every single barn we build, we put water catchment on it. And so we use rainwater because it doesn't have any herbicides or pesticides, and we can proof the bourbon down, changing it the least. But what Donis is tasting is 130-plus proof bourbon, mm-hmm. and so all he can do is touch it to his tongue, but wow. he's, he's, he's hysterical. My, my favorite things in the world is to take Donis to the fanciest country clubs in America. And have him start talking about bourbon because he'll start talking about licking Kool Aid packets and <laughs> and stuff where you just you know you're looking at him and like what are you t- I got no idea what you're saying but he says it with so much like his eyes are huge and he's like oh this is and I was like eight and I licked a Kool Aid packet and everybody just listens you know it's 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 unbelievable it's amazing.
1: We gotta meet Donis. Oh yeah, he's
2: he's (laughs) he is the man. Now we got several other folks on the ranch. Now Uh, are just like proteges. You just look at them and you smile. They walk through and they look at you like, I can tell you what to do, where to go, and you're not going to do a thing to me. And you look at them and go, Well, (laughs) you know, it's all you can do is just walk away, bummed out that you you don't get to make the rules. So
5: how does your palate compare since you've been in the industry? Like, is it similar to your brothers
2: or you just, you just enjoy bourbon? I'm spoiled rotten, man. I'm like a kid (laughs) that grew up on Wagyu beef, right? So, so all I've, you know, if if I go somewhere and I'm drinking other bourbons, I know what I like and, and, uh, you know, I certainly can taste through bourbons now and, and hold my own with just about anybody. But the reality is I do not have the palate to do what they do. You know there's there are people just like you were saying there's folks that that have those talents and and interestingly it's it's starting they're starting to argue that women have more attuned palates than men yes. yeah. and there's a whole lot of ladies there's a whiskey women's society and a bourbon women's society and a lot of the gals we've got a distiller that are named Sammy who she can hold her own with any human in the world I love putting Sammy on the road talking bourbon too but uh, but the the reality in my head is, I I will never get there. I don't have even the basics, but I can sit there and drink bourbons until the cows come home, knowing what I like. That's why I never talk tasting notes. Really, that's why I make fun of the wine guys because if you read an article about wine, <laughs> it's going to be twenty pages long, right? Gosh. And bourbon's going to be it's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's right. that's I, I'm I,
1: that's my crowd. So, have you ever uh, tasted a Garrison Brothers bourbon you didn't like?
2: No, and it's probably more founder syndrome than quality. Mm. You know, if you spend six years trying to make something, yeah. by the time it's ready, yeah. you think it's the best freaking thing that's ever yeah. been made. I remember yeah. walking around with incredibly young bourbon and going into liquor stores, slamming the bottle on the counter and this going, This is Texas first legal whiskey, and it's the best fucking bourbon you're ever going to drink. Yeah. And they'd drink it and they'd start to close one eye and sweat a little bit you know and it was young and it was hot and but at the time man I thought it was it was gold so yeah. I, I got to tell you that the the one that I think is brought me back all the way around is the 2020 2022 small batch I, I think that that I just am I'm blown away by it yeah so it's- when, when was the
4: first let's you said there was a lot of bad when was the first barrel that you would say okay we got this or we are got something here this? when so when if was you that
3: see a dated bottle you're gonna avoid it in the store
2: <laughs> those
3: <laughs> are all all the
4: original <laughs> stuff
2: so don't drink this yet guys this sucker is uh 124.6 so if you drink it you'll cry um, yeah, i got one um you. so you know dan calls it barrel six there was something that happened in barrel mm-hmm. six that he he and Donna fell in love with how many years ago was that Oh, that would have been 2007, probably, Mm. probably before that, long before I got involved. I spent five years trying to talk Dan out of this. Mm. This is the single dumbest business model ever,
1: ever, ever, ever. Is it compared to Bad Donkey?
2: No, okay, mm. second single. <laughs> second single. <laughs> Dumbest, yeah, yeah, because God, I lost my ass. Um, <laughs> this one just came around somehow. Yeah, yeah, so I spent, I spent years trying to talk him out of it because I was like, man, this is, this is silly, you know? And Dan would look, look you right in the eye before he had made a drop of bourbon and say, I'm going to make the best bourbon in the world. Wow. And, and it was just that level of, of absolute insane, and, it, and yes, it's bragging, but he doesn't see it like that. It's yeah. like he, 10 years out is where his head is. Yeah. And he just decided it's what he's going to do. But, yeah, so I, I spent years trying to talk him out of it. And then I spent years trying to drag my ass into it. You know, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, buddy, you need a co-drinker. I got this. Yeah,
1: it's- I'm your guy
5: it's the crazy people that believe that they will that end up actually doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, uh, never, uh, the whole
1: manifestation thing. Yes. Right?
2: Manifest right?
1: yeah. mm-hmm. it. Right. I
2: totally buy that. There's, there's mm-hmm. people in this world. I mean, th- that Dan is, is speaking at colleges now all the time. Wow. And it, and it makes me smile just because he, Dan, I think is nowhere in his mind is, is he reached what he has in mind, you know, and I don't think he ever will. I don't, Dan does not sit back and go, we did it. I don't think in his entire life he's ever felt like we did it. You know, he's, he's, he's just, what's out there? What's, what's the frontier, you know? And it's, it's that, it's those people that, you know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of videos out there with Mike. And when you listen to him, oh my God, it's like talking to a prize fighter. What what he thinks will come right out of his mouth. You know, he's going to, he, Mark, I would never put you in a room with him. Aww. Uh, Aww. No. no, I'm sorry. There's going to be flower. too much
1: love or not enough.
3: I'm sad now. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> he think. said it was
1: barrel six. Take it as a compliment. That's yeah. the one that he uh, Barrel six, that's the, the magic one. He, yeah.
2: And so the one you got now, let me just give you a, a little warning because I forgot that I was holding it and just took a swallow of it. Um, 124.6 <laughs> proof. Barrel number 9,491 which would have put this one, it was probably made in 2014, 2015. Wow. Um, but it was all, it's only, I bet you, four years old. Because we, we dump it about four years. And Les Donis has got something, when he sees something that he's just absolutely zoomed in on, he calls them his piggy bank barrels. Those become what we call cowboy bourbon. And those are the oldest barrels, and it's his favorite barrels on the entire ranch. We don't proof them down. They come out at whatever proof that that small group of barrels is going to evolve to. And uh, it's insanely strong. But for whatever reason, when somebody was asking a minute ago what my favorite release was, mm-hmm. I don't really have an answer to that. But I can tell you this 9000 series just lit my candle. I mean, when yeah. I drink it, I just get so much depth to it. It mm-hmm. just keeps moving around on my palette. I get it up high, I get it I mean it's just everywhere. So that's why I grabbed these two. But uh that, wow. so yeah, these are we also That this,
1: is interesting. It is. It's got good. a lot very complex. Ooh, yeah,
2: think about that. Dan yeah. Donis was playing that 7 years ago, 8 years ago probably. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: so the process of taking it from, say, 130 proof to 80 proof or 90 proof, does that change the profile at all, the, the flavor profile?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, and, and so you've got to play into that. you know, you got to think through what's going to happen. So he'll bring it down a little at a time, oh, and if he's not ready, he's not ready. You know, he's we, he releases different bourbons at different proofs. So Guadalupe will go out at, like, I think, 107. You know, Dan's going to kill me because I make up these numbers. I don't know what the hell that Guadalupe is. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's it's a 100-plus, we'll say. Valmoray is always 115. Um, Laguna goes out at different proofs. You know, all these different bourbons are where he feels it hits the mark, and he'll stop. And, it, by the way, when you're running spreadsheets, that really makes it hard. Well, we've got 72 barrels of this. That should generate X. No, because I'm going to do it at 115 proof. Mm. Shit. You know, and but – but Dan and Don's don't care. I mean, right. truly, that that becomes somebody else's problem. Their yeah. job is to make better bourbon, and yeah. that's all they're going to do every single day. Uh, I can honestly say that is uh, mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. Like, yeah see, I'm when you were talking, fron- weren't you the uh, George C. Stag?
4: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Did I get it? it. Uh, I
2: I mean, it is big. It is beast of a weeded bourbon. Yeah, that's that's, that's the a good way to describe it. it.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. So what's next? What secret sauce are you guys cooking all right. up?
2: Uh, what are we playing with or what are we drinking next? No. Two different what,
3: questions. What are you uh, creating in the bonds? I can't tell you all that. Yeah.
2: The only one I'll, I'll, I'll talk about just because I saw it on a spreadsheet.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
2: <is>
3: he, I, <laughs> we're, we're about creating pent-up demand, by the way. It, it'll be there for this sucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's, when we do releases... We'll have lines of cars. We do them at the ranch first before we ship it off to Liquorland. Oh, wow. We'll have lines of cars two and three miles long. They'll come a couple of days in advance. They That's camp awesome. out on the road. My brother drives up and down the road in a four wheeler, giving out breakfast burritos and shots. And uh, oh. it's it's a pilgrimage, man. So how insane. do you how do you find out about these releases? By the way, <laughs> yeah, you got to go to the websites for them, and and they'll come out. But and we just got busted down by the sheriff so the last relief we released we weren't allowed to have the the lines of cars but go to the website click on the videos that are on there and look at what happens when we do a balmaray release it's it's hysterical man it's it's Beautiful. You have to invite the geohogs to the next release. You, have to. <laughs> you don't need an invitation.
5: I was about man. to say just, I'm, yeah. I'm coming
6: regardless. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what we're talking about. An invitation? Yeah, like my ass a- is gonna be in my Ram 1500 sitting there in line for three days.
2: I'm usually well into a hammock by the time the release has started. <laughs> but uh
3: that's awesome so this thing on the spreadsheet i, had yeah. I thought
2: i had danced it all right no, so no. uh I, I know that he's got cognac barrels on the ranch Ooh. so i believe what he's talking about is finishing that high proof honeydew mm. with that honey character in cognac and, nice. and i don't know when it's going to come and I don't know how much of it'll be. I assure you it'll be very little because he always starts out with a little, right. but he doesn't do anything where it's just, except for the rye, but it's we don't do anything that's a one-time. So by the time he's got it on the sheet of, you know, I spent this money, then he's got it backed up. He's been ordering it for five, six, seven years. He's building his supply. Because like I said, if he likes it, we're going to do it. It's not no one has the ability to tell Donna's we're not going to do that. That's just not, nobody on the ranch can do that. So mm. so I know that one will come one day, but I don't know when that day is. All right, so the last one you just had, look at the color of that one, All right? Dog. This one, also Ooh. the exact same release. Whoops, hang on, I'm caught up on my cord here. It's crazy. Um, wow. Totally different color, same age. Barreled the exact same month. So this is how different single barrels can be, right? So these for prob- the
3: audience, <clears throat> we're looking at a, uh, Amber was the first one. And now we're looking at pretty much coffee. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, and these barrels were within ninety
1: six twenty two. Yeah. So
2: they're within hundred barrels of each other. So they were in the same barn, same everything. The only thing different is what happened in that oak. So when we're talking about all of our expressions mm-hmm. and being able to steer it towards something beautiful, right? this, I think, these two barrels will explain it. You know, I mean, if you, if you wanted to elevate that first one towards something, you're going to find a note in that, and that's what Donis runs towards. This one's going to be nothing like it.
3: So basically what you're saying is you're going to, if you ever have a mistake... You can always fix it or something good comes out of it.
2: If it's a mistake and it's not good, we'll never know because that barrel will disappear because Don isn't going to let it off the ranch. If it's a mistake mistake that he's going, wow, you know, which is most of our business. I mean, keep in mind, we didn't know what we were doing. So the best thing, the best thing about being able to age four or five years of Kentucky time in one year Mm -hmm. is you just make more mistakes faster. Right. You learn about your mistakes quicker. You know, I screw something up and a year from now I'm going to go, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. In Kentucky, they may have to wait four or five years before they go, that sucks. And that's, that's really like the best life metaphor ever. Right. Make your mistakes young before you're 18 and can go to jail. Knock them all out 17 and before. <laughs> kind of like Nick. I, I don't know. <laughs> but is there a story there, Nick? We should. He looks oh, so yes.
6: innocent. Yeah, oh, oh, oh! oh. Innocent. He, he's a puppy dog. It's so yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. He has not.
3: Had... <laughs> he's like a little
2: sharpie hey, puppy. Wasn't he the one talking about dating websites? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, that, yeah.
6: That, that, yeah, well that, that was
5: offline. But
2: I,
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, he has a kid and I, a wife. I was very so. <laughs>
5: sheltered. I, I went to a Christian private school. I'm, I'm a good boy, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> you should yes. have seen the grin after that statement that <laughs> <laughs> wiped all that away. This is his first. Uh, First shot of whiskey, by the way, or bourbon. <laughs> mm. Wow, highly educated to come in for the first time. I, I
5: could, mm. I could attest to that. I mean, I've, I've just been watching YouTube videos from the whiskey tribe. I've never actually tasted bourbon until tonight. <laughs> Thank you for actually uh, introducing me to bourbon. And I, I could say that the the Garrison Brothers is definitely my, uh, my, my favorite. So how, how, so you, how, you, how jealous is your
1: dad right now? <laughs> he.
5: He's very jealous. <laughs> I, I can guarantee that. But it's okay. Um, he's 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 a, a big fan of the Geoholics um, and. Uh yeah, I, I, I think that uh, he 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 would have some insight on um, of some of the, uh, the the bourbon that we drank tonight because he he's uh, probably the biggest whiskey connoisseur I've ever met. Yeah.
2: Oh dear! Um, and yeah, yeah, no, that he, means your his, your mom is still pissed. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, no, you mom, know my what? Goodness, she's, just she's pissed. Sounds like Dan a couple yeah, yeah. <laughs> like twenty years
1: ago. She's she pissed because she was in town a couple of weeks ago. And <laughs> we could not find an IPA that suited her. <laughs>
7: I looked I, I, this, everywhere. This, this right. is I looked everywhere.
5: This is a thing. I mean, we're from. Oregon, so it's a big microbrewery area. Um, but my dad, though, he's the biggest whiskey fan ever, and he uh, they moved into their new house, and they had Blanton's, yes, obviously, but he had um, what's it called, Pappies. He had two different pappies right? And he put it on his top shelf in this new house they just bought, right? In his in his new bar, and that top shelf. Just so happened to be a little loose mm. that it all fell. Like oh oh yeah. wow! I mean, it's okay though, because he has, so what he has a lot when of surveyors try to be
6: engineers yeah.
7: or, <laughs> architects, <laughs> yeah. or architects
6: or yeah. architects. So,
5: but um, I do I do have a quick question for you. Um, so we we talked about Buffalo Trace before, right? Wh- what's your take on the actual Buffalo Trace being uh, poor man's pappies? What, what
1: do you think about that? Well, what do you think about the Pappy thing in general? I mean, personally, I think it's overrated, but. You know, but was it
2: overrated when you could get it for $150, $200? You know, back in, no, it was freaking genius, genius distillate. Mm -hmm. Um, The Pappy that we're drinking today, that's coming out today, Mm -hmm. guess who made it? Mm. Elmer T. Lee. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Buffalo Trace. Is, is is mr lee anyway and in harlan the guys that are doing it now buffalo trace is the exception to every story i can state stuff like we're the only ones doing this other than buffalo trace yeah. because harlan the their distiller now has that kind of freedom the guy's yeah. growing his own grains he's got his own trees that he's harvesting and he's taking sections of them and you know tracking how each the, buffalo trace is just awesome in their creativity yeah. Yeah. and they'll take huge risks um, Back to the but, question but of Pappy. So,
3: but just to be clear, yeah. you're talking Buffalo Trace, the empire, not just the brand of whiskey. It's Correct. Right, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the distillery. The distillery. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they've homologated so many brands under that roof.
2: Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a half a. Until the last five years, there were a half a dozen distilleries making 90, probably 98% of the bourbon out there. Right. But, hmm. uh, well. Wow. But yeah, the, the guys at Buffalo Trace are the exception to every rule, just in my opinion, because they are sincerely always pushing the boundary uh, of what's next. Um, But Pappy, I think is absolutely brilliant. I I think that it's become more of value for its, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rarity. You know, it's, it's priced itself out of the market, but guess what? The guys that make it sell it for the same price. They always have Mm -hmm. everything you're seeing is not going to the to the Van Winkle family and, and the guys over at Buffalo Trace. Mm. That's all what happens after the bottle leaves the.
4: still so The guys are hundred
3: and fifty nine bucks for their twenty. Yeah, that's what they pay. And but that's the guys pay that pay wait in
4: line more. in the parking lot on release mm. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And buy
6: Yeah. It's, and it's, a, a it's, like, a, it's like a subculture. Absolute absolute fortune, you know. It is.
1: It's yeah, a subculture. So, yeah.
6: So yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm part of this uh, Arizona Bourbon Society group in mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook. And so they post all these bourbons, and this person, four days ago, post a Buffalo Trace in a, I think it's a Total Wine sticker, and it says, like, behind glass, limit one. You can only buy it for twenty five ninety nine. But it's traditional Buffalo Trace? Traditional Buffalo Trace.
2: Wow. Think go. about that. Think about where whiskey is right now. That's, yeah. that's what's happened in the bourbon world. You know, we, we have increased our production every single year. We virtually doubled it. Mm. For the last four years, and we've been growing like a weed. Before that, mm. and our entire—I—I—we don't add state. We're—I'm not, not—I—I'm not out trying to drive sales. I'm trying to drive our brand, mm-hmm. so that if things go south in the whiskey world, or we go into financial, the country has its issues, or whatever, that our brand can survive mm. that because sales isn't what we could outsell ourselves tomorrow. If we wanted to, we could open up a couple more States and we could sell more bourbon than I can make. Mm. It, it's, it's not a, interesting. It's, it's not, you know, we're, we're really, it, it's, I've never been in a business where you are more concerned about what your brand is and, and, the, and what it means to people. You know, it's it's you've got to stay true to that because right now you were saying earlier that there's investment money coming into this thing. Yeah. People are building 50 million dollar distilleries on spec. Mm-hmm. It's like a spec house, man. And and mm-hmm. and I'm just blown away and I think that we're going to flood the market, but I think that there's a bunch of brands yeah. that are really good and there's a bunch of guys that I've been following for 10 years that are making unbelievable whiskey and they're just starting to make enough of it where yep. you're going to see it. Oh, yeah, wow. right.
6: And we, we, so I've got a f- group of people that I've like networked with and talked to throughout business. And like, we've even thought about pulling money together. But the problem is like when doing research, like you have to have to have a liquor license, but we've even thought for our own consumption, just to get what we want out there is to pull money together and buy barrels at a time and then bottle it ourselves because you know, there is the supply and demand issue. And so there is a huge following on that. And we follow certain brands throughout that process, like the group of us. So it's, it's interesting to see where like, you can't make enough like blends, which I love to death because they're like, we're only going to make X amount and we're not going to be the main, like this huge conglomerate in a Mm -hmm. sense. And I think that's what makes them Mm -hmm. special. But like, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's, it's a branding perspective.
2: Cause you don't you know the the the, the feds aren't going to let you do the
6: buy the barrel bottle yourself. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. I know. I've I've yeah. I have done my I have I figured that out. <laughs> yeah, just, I thought it was those genius. people get really pissy
2: about taxes <laughs> for
4: some reason. <laughs> well, well, on that, aren't there some states where you can't, or they
2: restrict what what bourbons can and can't be sold in each state? I mean, I, I don't know any that restrict by brand what bourbons. But there's there's all sorts of laws. Every state has its own yeah. distributor laws, right? Because well, my dad's from North Carolina, lives in North Carolina. They don't sell Buffalo Trace there. Wow. I don't know if they sell Garrison there either. But yeah, that's not the state yeah. that. So Buffalo Trace, I, and I'm guessing here, so Harlan, don't yell at me. But uh, <laughs> but they they kind of do rolling stoppages, right? They're trying to maintain their brand nationally and globally. So they'll, they'll release X amount to this state, Y amount to that state, and you release it to your distributor. So I can't mm. sell you guys a barrel. I can't sell you a bottle. I've got to sell it to my distributor. My distributor turns around and sells it to the liquor store. And in Texas, which is unique, the liquor store sells it to the bar or restaurant, mm. and then it goes to you all. Mm-hmm. So, so the, and all that is taxes, taxes, taxes. The second it leaves wow. my dock, I pay my taxes. The second it's the distributor, they pay theirs. And it's, it's all. Well, that's what I never understood. My, my dad
4: cannot find a bottle of Buffalo trace in North Carolina, but it's at the CVS where I'm
2: buying deodorant
4: right yep. down the corner yep. from my house. Like, Arizona's I, I, I pretty
2: crazy that. about that. You mm-hmm. can get stuff in Arizona that you can't find a lot. Arizona, we drink some whiskey out here.
7: Yeah. So I think mm-hmm.
2: those guys, they, Texas is the same way, Florida is the same way. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of those products in those states that you can't get
3: elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's I like, was blown away. I went to this, I uh, was in Midland, Texas on a survey, and I walk into this uh, drive-in, and uh, every five seconds it's ding, 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 and they're giving out uh, 12 packs of um, uh, Fireball. And I'm walking in there, and they've got a, a 175, 1.75-liter 1.75 bottle of Blantons. I'm like, no. I'll, I'm I've never even it. heard of that. Wow. Yeah. And I go, are you sure it's only $250? And she goes, i charge you more if you want. <laughs> Mister, i charge you more. I'm like, oh, there's Elma T. Lee. Oh, my God. There's George Stagg. So I'm in wow, there. Wow, that's and go, crazy. And she goes, 10-bottle limit. I go, 12 in a case, love. She goes, oh, 1.75. I'm like, Uh, So, 10 bar limit. (laughs) Hey, boys, can you come over? (laughs) Five of my boys walk in. I want one of these all the way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I couldn't believe it. I'm like,
2: state to state liquor laws are unreal. And and, and for 10 years, our strategy before we had like smart people that came on board was ignore them.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, there are
2: states where I can't walk into a liquor store. And tell them about my product unless I have the representative from the distributor standing next to me. Wow! So wow. it's a, sort of a Texas M.O. You know, do fire, shoot first, you know, cool. aim would, later.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, ask for forgiveness, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there's,
6: there's so many laws around it because, like, I'm a big Suns fan, and I, Charles Barkley has his vodka oh, and gin yeah. line. I'm a big gin drinker, so I'm like trying to find redmont or whatever it's called and i can't get his gin any well, you have to go to alabama i think or wherever he's distilling it from huh. and uh yeah no it's it's interesting i can't find it in the stores or anything The guy corrects me so, so, yeah. so oh. we, <laughs> guys, right? we have so
3: many listeners all over the the country and i think we have one individual in india um australia australia <laughs> no he, he oh. patel's from india. Oh, oh yes um Anyway, be quiet. Uh, <laughs> I know talking about Peter. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that if you opened it up to more states, you would outsell yourself. So f- are there states that you don't sell in or distribute to currently? So the yes. listeners can call us up and we can ship them a, a bottle with an extra vig on it.
2: Yeah, you can't do it legally. <laughs> I think though. it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just talked about. But again, that. We uh, know, laws. But we or only have guidelines. five listeners, so no one's going to. Hopefully, none of them's a cop. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we, we just started opening control states. The states like North Carolina, where hmm. the, the government controls the, the liquor stores, oh. we make stupid expensive bourbon, and if you ship it into a control state, your bourbon's going to get stupider expensive. Oh, really? And so um, we, we've not shipped into those until recently, and now I'm finding that I was wrong. Those guys, they'll price pretty competitively, you know. For there were a couple of them that priced us off the charts, and that chased me away. So, you know, in, in a control state, it' like if, if a control state says we love your bourbon, they're going to say, "Well, cool, let's take ten cases per store, right?" And then they've got four hundred stores, and all of a sudden, I don't have enough bourbon anymore to supply Florida or Arizona. Okay. And the the thing about our world is, once you are put on a menu at a restaurant. They printed that sucker. They got a plan. Mm-hmm. You want to piss them off? Yeah. Run out. Mm. Yes. You know, all of a sudden they're all ticked off at you. So we're really cautious about like trying to grow smart, sure. right. and which is a problem because I'm not smart.
7: Hmm. Why well, and and your brother's and an idiot? Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Brother, so well, who's so. driving the bus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and there's I a know, answer. The that's a gal named Len. Yeah. Oh. No, we hired a gal named Len who who quickly got on the bus and went we're all going to die. <laughs> and she took the steering wheel and thank God, ever since she came on board, we're, we're just growing like crazy and people keep telling us we're good at what we do. And I'm like, are you kidding? All I ever told was told for the first 10 years is you two suck. <laughs> that, was, that was the most positive criticism I would, you know, and now it's like, wow, you guys are really good at this. And I'm like,
1: hey, it, it kind of sounds, like the, sounds like the podcast. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> So what is your number one state? Is it Arizona because you're here? Texas.
2: Yeah. We're the number one selling nationally. We're the number one selling whiskey in America over $75, which is hysterical, but everything we do is over 75 bucks. And then in Texas, make sure you add that I am making this shit up. Yeah, he's making this
6: shit up, by the way. yeah.
2: (laughs) Complete bullshit. Yeah, but I want to <laughs> say it's thirty-five bucks and above. We're the number one whiskey in Texas, wow. so we sell a ton of bourbon in Texas. Wow. And it's kind Very of good. Texas. And they like their booze. We we drinks a bit. Yeah.
7: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll What's you said something
1: earlier about uh, like supply? our supply chain issues affecting your operation at all? Uh, we got. I yeah, wouldn't call it lucky. We
2: got Lynn, and Lynn started to. Uh, really get ahead of a lot of that and so somehow we had a little issue with bottles for a little while but between lynn and donis donis doesn't work with anybody he doesn't like implicitly trust so all the folks that grow our grain are really close they're good friends we've we've deep relationships and um so we've never had any grain issues um we had some bottle issues uh, but but we've gotten past all that, so we're we're kind of like hoarding supplies now. So we're we're in super good shape. Our only limiting factor is time and capacity. You know what? How much mm-hmm. we can make and how fast. Yeah. yeah.
6: Hmm. So you create bourbon. I'm kind of curious. Do you drink other spirits yeah. and like, or do you do you prefer other spirits in a sense, like, or no? I drink Coors Light and bourbon. Oh, I love oh, Coors Light. Okay. Yeah, i i I, I'm,
2: I I used to be ashamed. But Can by God, I'm looking. I drink me. cheap ass wit- beer and crazy expensive whiskeys. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. And that's. Yeah. And I drink so much bourbon that I that there's very little time for me to go. Well, let me go that try a nice gin. Let,
1: let, let me right. ask you another Cave Creek question. Do you know uh, Brian up there at Bricks? Oh
2: yeah, mm-hmm. Core, Core's light. There it is. And you know what Bricks is. You know what that was? Uh,
3: what uh, bad donkey! Bad it was donkey. the bad donkey. Yes, and it was yeah. jackalopes before. Yes, it. what was it? It was jackalopes. The restaurant. No, jackalopes that was
2: oh, b- right. that became. Um, yep. Further
3: down, yep. Binkley's. Binkley's. Yeah. How oh, yeah. Right. yeah do you guys right. know
2: jackalope? What, what the
3: heck? I, I, lived, I lived in Cave Creek. I lived in Stagecoach. I had a house in Carefree.
2: That's hysterical. Yeah. No, that's uh. Yeah, we almost we almost put the bad donkey at the jackalope. Mm-hmm. And decided that uh, that wasn't going to work for us, so we moved over to that other little spot. And yeah, and everybody yelled at us about parking.
1: Who knew we'd talk about the bad donkey today? I know. had no well, idea. Uh, usually, so the bad f- monkey is what we talk about, <laughs>
2: uh, or, or the the bad bad bunny. No,
3: what's bad, the elf. bad elf. Bad elf. Bad elf. There it is. Elf. It all the program. It's the naughty gnome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we should rebrand it. Sorry, Nick. So is
6: there a lot of, is there a lot of bourbon at, um, I oh got It's blinking up. hideaway No, Roadhouse? no. The freaking the frickin' bar up there in cave Creek. That Harold's? I can, ha- Harold's? There's but Harold's Buffalo no, chip. No, Buffalo, Buffalo, chip. Chip. Thank Buffalo chip. Thank you. Thank you. God damn. No. <laughs> yeah. So Larry,
2: who used to, uh, he was the guy that owned the Buffalo chip forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was a buddy of mine. So they would carry Garrison brothers at eight bucks a pour. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and you'd have to go in and go Larry. Cause he'd lose money on it. And I'd be like, Larry, you got any Garrison brothers? And he'd look at me and, like, grunt. <laughs> and he'd go get the bottle and give it to his bartenders. But uh, I think they still care. Harold's got us. Yeah. Uh, which, but they do it cool. just because we kind all, all of all of Cape us kind of grew up together. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, you know, at least we were in business. To, Cave Creek is not an easy place to do business. No. You do a lot of business half the year, and then you stare at each other half the year. So it's, it's, it, was a, it, was a, it was a tough game. But when you guys went into the Bad Donkey... My kids, the little kid that would like bring you your yeah. sandwich that was yeah. eating it while he brought it to yeah. you, that yeah. would be my kids.
3: Ah, yeah. That's, you know, that's like the
2: quarterback. Pick Crazy. out your olives, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, my God, that's amazing.
3: Yeah. Oh, my God, that's incredible. Memories. Yeah. Absolutely. What else you guys got? Well, you guys, you still live in, up in
2: Cave Creek, Caffrey? I do. Yeah. I live up there. I've been up there for 20 years. Oh. My in-laws retired out here, and I brought my wife back to Texas, mm-hmm. and she looked around and went, I'm leaving.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, where are
2: you going? And she said, I think I'll go with my Ari- My in-laws out in Arizona. You can come. So I've been here ever since it's, and, and love it. I always thought I'd go home as soon as the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the kids were out of school. Yeah. But I freaking love Kate. That Perry. area you yeah. live up yeah. there. It's, it's amazing. Yesterday yeah. I went to our, not yesterday, Memorial day.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: I went over to Harold's yeah. and I watched our tractor parade. Oh, 10 guys and 50 year old trackers with flags all over them yep. and sat in drinking beer and yelled at them as they came by. It just, just, it's kind of a, it's Americana. It still is. Yeah. Americana. Good way to describe it.
3: Yeah. There's a big, uh, little green one that runs around all the time. Every time I'm at the hideaway or something, it's uh, always <laughs> running around. Driven and by
2: and a guy named Ron McGee.
3: That's it. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's lovely up there. So. Thank you. Yeah.
6: You well, ready to put a bow on it?
3: I think we are. Any, uh, any parting words here? No, it's been amazing. Thank you for your time. You have better places to be, I'm sure.
2: I just got to know, am I prettier than when we started? Absolutely.
3: You're, f- you're no, pretty the minute you walked in. Well, I'm telling you,
2: that's what Garrison Brothers does. Is I think it makes <laughs> no, no, other no, no, people no, no. think I'm pretty.
1: No, you said blind or pretty. <laughs>
6: I'm
2: blind. You're blind. All right. all right. Yeah, all right you you know. keep pouring those those little bottles. I'm oh. going the, yeah.
6: the bottles. I've <laughs> kicked my water bottle over like eight yeah. times. You'll be a freaking Victoria's Secret model after those little bottles. <laughs>
3: Well, I, we're I, grateful for your sharing, yes, Aga, thank you sharing your what a special fun group. stash. Yeah.
4: I can't say that I was impressed over five years ago when I was first introduced and looks like it's even picked up from there, so.
2: Cool, and Nick, you need to tell your dad it sounds like he buys expensive bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs some Garrison no, Brothers. No, be funny. No I'll, 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 I'll Garrison leave you brother. with
5: this. Yeah. We, we FaceTimed him before the show and he said, Garrison Brothers? No way, I'm yeah. jealous. That's, that's exactly <laughs> All right. what he said,
6: so. Except it needs to be on the top shelf next time. That's no, where it's got. Not on the ones he builds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no.
2: Consult, consult your local engineer next time.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks so much again, Charlie. This has been an absolute blast.
2: Couldn't have a better time, guys. Thank you very much.
1: Yep. There you have it. Adding value, making friends. Happy to call Charlie my friend. Thanks again for listening to our loyal friends of the program. Uh, just like bad, what'd you call him? Naughty gnome. Naughty gnome. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic. When you reach out to any of our friends of the program for special promos, download the Geoholics app from landsurveyorsunited.com. some reason, my tongue feels swollen. <laughs> Is that a side effect of bourbon? Last but not least, Sheet. pay it Say forward. That stuff to
2: Mark. Ask I can't do it.
1: You make friends. Dire Straits so far away from me, available everywhere. Until next time, drink lots of Garrison bourbon. Absolutely. And most importantly, be safe and healthy. Do it with a straw. <laughs> Salute, guys. Thank you. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey. AGSGPS.com. Airworks. Airworks.io. Bad Elf. Bad Elf.com. Cyanic Automation. Get Jobbook.com. Diamondback Land Surveying. Diamondback Land com. Extreme Aerial Productions. Extreme Aerial com. Get Kids Into Survey. Get Kids Into Survey.com. Mentoring Mondays. Mentoring Mondays. XYZ. Monson Engineering. Monson Engineering.com. Nettleman. LC Prep, LCprep.com, Northstar Surveying, Northstar Surveying Prostar Corporation, ProstarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Topodot, New 3 dcom and finally Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.